I'm a hot rod man. Yeah, I'm a hot rod man. Look out, little mama gonna get you. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer, and that is Tex Rubinowitz from Ripsaw Records. And I always say he is the hot rod man. And before we get started today, I'm hoping everything is going well for you in your life. God willing, the, the important things, right? Because always you got to have some hiccups along the way. But if they're not that important in the scheme of life, then uh, that is good. That's a blessing, right? And uh, just want to remind you, if you did not get a chance to go over to, uh, to Duck's website, www.duck-design.com and check out his illustrations there and uh, send him an email and say to him, this is what you're thinking about doing. As I've always, as I said in the past, he's not going to pressure you or whatever. But it's always, you know, uh, it's always good to, to perform due diligence, a high level of due diligence. And I have uh, named myself Mr. Due Diligence. And because I love to do, well, I shouldn't say I love, I, I cannot function without doing proper due diligence. And because once you investigate something, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be duck design, but investigate something and you feel comfortable with it, then it brings a lot of clarity to it. And once you have clarity, then all of a sudden the decisions are are clear right that's what it calls clarity i just put my hand over the microphone i use a, a, a rode boom arm and the rode microphone has a gold uh looks almost like a rivet in the front but they really don't tell you that's what that's that's where you're supposed to address the mic it's supposed to be in the front i mean it's like in this little tiny print oh geez i forgot to shut the boiler off that's not good you can hear that boiler running, so I'm going to stop this and hold on for a second, and I apologize for that. Alrighty, I am back, and I didn't mess up. I'm actually getting pretty good with this pause button, if I may say so myself. <laughs> or I think actually it's probably the button is uh, loosening up or breaking in a little bit more, and uh, so I'm feeling more comfortable with it. But it's only two minutes into the show, so if I did not, if I did mess that up, it's certainly not the end of the world, as my chair is creaking. And uh, because in engineering they say, if you are, if you're going to fail, fail early, right? And uh, not getting the getting the whole thing ninety percent designed, and then find out that the crankshaft is too weak and it blows right through the block. So, uh, so it's always good to fail early, not fail late if you have to fail at all but you know our failures in life teach us more than our successes and uh, anybody who has any level of success in what they do whether it's financial success or uh, business success success or in a certain field or a certain vocation is that you learn more from your failures if you look at them and study them and don't just go com- complain about them right because everything that I have learned has learned has been the school of hard knocks, as is so many things with you, right? So no matter what you do, when you mess it up, and uh, and then you understand why you messed it up, then that is something that you're going always going to remember in your mind, all right? Always going to remember, even if you don't remember the details, you can remember there's something special about this. I got to be careful. I don't mess it up, all right? And specifically, if you fail with your own money and your own sweat and blood but your own money there's no better teacher in life than to fail with your own money and uh those people excuse me those people who have never failed with their own money will not know what i'm talking about and will never sadly i shouldn't say never most likely not have the level of uh, education real life education not book education real life education that uh the others who have failed with their own money have and that is why when i used to teach my classes for uh i say my class I used to teach the classes for axel digital fuel injection i've told you that many times i used to give everybody a pretest, and uh it was very important then that we went over the pretest, and i explained there was multiple choice 10 questions so it didn't go on for an hour and uh, I would explain why the three answers were wrong and the one answer was correct because that is the only way you're going to learn. 
And if you go take a test and you say, well, this is the answer, and uh, that's it, or at least explain why the answer that is correct and why it is, so that doesn't make sense. Well, why that is the correct answer? So you need to you need to elaborate upon that, and, uh, and that's what I try to do on my toolbox test on my website. I don't want to talk about the other three questions or three potentially wrong answers uh, too much because I don't want it to be too verbose because most people, if they see it's too wordy to read, then they will not read it, which is a sad state of affairs uh, in most instances. And we're all that way. We're saying, oh my God, I just want to get right to the answer. I don't want to read, you know, gone with the wind. But that is what happens. So uh, let me see what else I wanted to tell you. Not too much going on here on this end uh thank god i guess that's good or bad right <laughs> depending on how you look at it and uh, but i did i know last week i told you about my chainsaw and uh what i decided well I'm, I'm definitely gonna fix and hot rod the old one all right the 2017 but what i did is i did jump the gun and said well you know i gotta do some modifications to this new one all right so right out of the box so I modified the the muffler. I didn't do the full modifications on the muffler. What you do is you take the muffler apart and you take the uh, spark arrestor out and then there's the actual muffler part, the silencing part, and it has holes in it like Swiss cheese. And uh, <clears throat> what you could do with that is some people cut that completely out. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to drill the holes out. So I think they're three millimeters now, and there's a whole series of them. I'll probably drill them out to about four millimeters. I think somebody's meowing already. Uh, It's a a cold. We had our first frost. uh, Not not bad, 27 degrees, but it's only like 43 degrees. But it is sunny. So if they are meowing out there, it's certainly not going to kill them to sit in the sun but what they do is they hear me talking and they figure something is going on and they're missing out i have one crew member family member here f-a-i-t-h and hopefully she will be good and not jump up and knock everything over like they like to do but that is fine because they're a blessing to my life but anyway uh so i think i would drill those out to about four millimeters or so then just and um probably leave the spark arrestor in there i don't think it's going to make much of a difference but the only thing i did do is that the out the outside discharge on the muffler has fins and they're very tightly closed up so i opened them up and uh i hope i spread them out and opened them up so it made a made a i guess it made a difference well it visually makes a difference on it and uh thank god they came out pretty good too so they they came out nice and even so it's not like it looks like a like mickey mouse but the reason why i didn't modify the rest of the muffler yet was because or is because i want to put this saw under some load and i've used it again the other day she started very she started well started good everything is good on it tightened up the chain a little bit and just doing some uh some small stuff some brush and some uh some limbing small limbing and what have you nothing too big and i want to see how that saw is when you really load it and because uh, i know one my the other one used to really bog i mean if you just cut and brush or cut in the two inch two inch tr- uh, limb or something you didn't you know eat right through that so uh i want to see if it's gonna bog when i'm cutting up a tree that's on the ground and putting a little bit more of a load on it and then i could stop and i'll open up that muffler and i'd have some sort of real comparison so uh but i so that is what i have now i ordered the um <laughs> i ordered the uh, what do you call it the the uh, side the the side chain tensioner which was a little bit of a fiasco reminded me of when i was in the auto industry you know uh as time went on in the car industry and this i've been out of my shop since 96 but already it was time to change but you didn't have parts guys anymore so you couldn't tell somebody like i want to and it's out this is an actual incident there was a brand new camaro at the time and uh we were doing a long rod 383 for it and uh, we put a different we put a ford nine inch in it and what have you and uh, we needed a seal for the nine inch i think it was a pinion seal if i remember correctly uh and 
So call up the auto parts store and said, "Oh, I need a you know I need a pinion seal for a Ford nine inch differential." Yeah, making model. Yeah, making model. So I uh, I said, "Don't worry about the yeah making model." I said, "I need." I said, "All those seals are the same on a Ford, on a Ford nine inch." I said, "I need this is what I need the pinion seal coming through the front of the differential." Yeah, making model. Can't look it up without yeah making model. All right, fine. So the guy's insisting, getting nasty. I said, okay, it was brand new at the time. I said, it's a 93 Chevrolet Camaro Z28. And he goes, okay, you should have just told me that. And he looks up, he says, that doesn't have a Ford rear end in it. So uh, so I said, no, I'm telling you that we modified the car. We're a hot rod shop. So anyway, what happened was that I had gotten the part number for the from steel, because I'm putting all steel parts, no Oregon bar, and anything on the chainsaw so it's all going to be steel steel bar steel chain steel everything is steel and then uh if i mess up the muffler i'll put a steel muffler on but i don't think i will but anyway uh so i had the part number but it was a couple years old for this uh for the side tensioner kit which i think was originally from a larger steel saw like an ms250 or something or whatever um i may be giving you the wrong but anyway it was not for that saw so I call up, not the steel dealer I bought it at, because the steel dealer I bought it at is a John Deere dealer, and they sell the stuff on the side. And there's another dealer, which I won't use anybody's name, and they're more, they don't sell tractors, they just sell, you know, chainsaws and lawn mowers and generators. They're more of a small engine shop than more of a, and, and, the, and the family's had it for quite some time. And they're more knowledgeable, or so I presumed, with steel because it's not—it's a main line to them. It's not just like, okay, we got that on the shelf also if you want it, but we really want to sell you a hundred thousand dollar John Deere tractor. So I called them up, and uh, I got a woman on the phone. Which, no disrespect, I've dealt with women that have been wonderful. I've dealt with men that have been terrible. But I get a woman on the phone, and she was she was the steel chainsaw version of year making model. Obviously, I don't tell you to ask you the year. So I said, I want this. They came. What is it for? She says to me, "They know for for the most part, and you know, here I am complaining, is that people don't realize in business that." The person who answers on the phone and, and deals with you on the phone is the gatekeeper of that business. If they're nasty or if they're fresh, and I don't care what kind of day you're having because you don't care what kind of day I have. That's not the, you know, in, in business, you cannot take whether you had a good day, bad day, whether you like the job, hate the job, love the job. You cannot convey that to the, to the customer. You have to be cordial. You have to be friendly. You have to be engaging, Right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking to ask the guy you know, to wish me a happy birthday or ask me when my birthday is. But anyway, so this woman just says, "Well, I need, I need a, I, 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 I need a, I need a, uh, I need a model and serial number." So I said, "You need a model and serial number." Says, "Well, I said I don't have the saw in front of me." So I said, "Well, I, I could probably work with just a model." So I said, "All right." So. I give it a model of the saw, which I know is going to be a disaster, like with the Camaro, year-making model with the Ford 9-inch in it. So um, I give it a model. So she says, well, you got the wrong kit. He said, you got the wrong kit. I'll give you. So I said, no, this is the kit I want because I want to put a, a side... A, a side adjuster or side that's probably not the proper way to say it. i want to put the chain adjuster on the side of the case instead of the front of the saw right and this is this is the kit for that that kit's the wrong kit for that that's the wrong kit so she's arguing with me says i she says i never heard of that in my life well i said it's a very common modification the big the largest steel saws have it and i never heard of that so she says that's the wrong one she says, but I got the right one for you. I said, no, no, this is the one I want. So I, I said, okay, well, well, just please tell me if you have the one that I want, all right? <laughs> the one that I, what a fiasco. What, the one that I want, the number I gave you, just please tell me if you have that. Well, if I have it and you buy it the wrong one, I'm not taking it back if you open the package. I said, no, no, you're not going to get it back. All right, you're not going to get it back. So so she says, all right, hold on. And then she goes back, I have one, but it's the wrong one. So I says, I got put on the side for you. I said, that's all right. 
I said, that's all right. Don't worry about it. I said, I don't know when I'm going to get there. So they wanted $34 for it. And I always like to support a small business. I always like to support a, a, uh, a local business, right? Because that's what it's all about. Because you have the service, you have everything, or supposedly the service. But, you know, it's, I mean, usually when I bought something through the mail, and I know a lot of people do that today, is that they, I've had a couple instances where it really burnt, I mean, I, I bought the, the uh, for the Ranger from Rock Auto, that was a nightmare. But anyway, so, so she wanted $34 for what she's claiming on a stack of Bibles is the wrong adjuster for my source. So to give her the, to, you know, to give her credit because i wouldn't have to be fair is that she is correct that is not the right part number for that particular saw that i have but the way steel made it is you could convert it by changing it so it's like saying well you know you're changing this type of oil filter you're putting a higher capacity oil filter yes that's not the one i came in but steel already has the case drilled for you to put this one in all right so i so i understand that she's correct but anyway she wanted 35 dollars plus tax for the adjuster and then i got it through the mail or ordered it didn't come yet for 14 dollars and 90 cents plus tax and it's supposed to be a steel part not a not a they, they, they claim it's a steel part steel bag steel part so we will see and then i'm going to get the uh i'm going to go down to a 14 inch bar with it with a 50 link chain which is the same ratio the three three eighths chain um and it's going to be an 050 bar 14 inches with an, and i'll get a steel bar and a steel chain for it and then i could uh start to play around and i'll put some put it on some load then see if i have to open up that muffler and then that will be the end of the new one and then we'll do the same stuff and maybe go inside the motor and the carburetor would have you on the old one all right so uh i don't want to do too much on well I don't want to go inside the motor on the new one until I, well, for two reasons. Number one is that I want to see how it runs now. Otherwise, I have no fair comparison, right? And then uh, then I also, you know, this, within the car hobby community is there's an old saying, an old adage, you don't hot rod what you, you don't hot rod the car that you need to go to work in, right? It's so... So that's why, so I bought this saw. I mean, it's not a big investment. I mean, I bought this saw so I could cut stuff on the farm and clean out the, clean out some shrubs and get some trees down out of the field. So the stuff that I'm doing is very minimal as far as it's concerned. You're not changing the timing on the engine. You're not playing with the carburetor, all right, and doing all that. So, you know, this is the, this is the saw I need to go to work in, all right? And then the other one if if i mess it up or something happens so it's not the end of the world right but uh, so just keep that in mind and you know keep that in mind you guys with your diesel pickup truck so you don't put a, a killer tune and you start to roll call with the truck that you need to go to work in or make a living with on your farm all right all right you have another one that you do that to that when you break it because you know when you hot rod stuff when you hot rod stuff and that was when i had my shop i had for the most part i had excellent customers and and i had terrible customers there seems to be no there was nothing in between and the ones that were excellent customers was not it was not their first rodeo all right so i'm going to move this mic because it's driving me crazy it's a little bit cockeyed it's not their first rodeo the guys that had the first rodeo what a night could be wonderful nice people but what a nightmare they couldn't understand why the part doesn't fit they couldn't understand why they read in the magazine is supposed to make 100 more horsepower they only made 20 more horsepower an absolute absolute uh, absolute nightmare and the thing the thing basically is is that but you do have to keep in mind that you do not want to overly modify the equipment that you need to make your living with and if your living is going because you have a job in town and you're driving that to town or to your farm tractor now i'm not saying you can't do anything for it but you got to do it within reason because that is uh that is that is a key element in your life that that vehicle or that machine and then you have a another one that you go and you blow up but the thing is that you have to start to say is that you have to recognize that when you start the hot rod stuff in some way shape or form and you're looking to make more power or whatever right 
that you have to get into that game knowing that something is going to break. And if you do not have the tolerance for something breaking, all right, then it is not that is not the hobby for you, all right? It is not the hobby for you. Forget about it. I mean, and if you don't have the tolerance for doing something and spending time and money on it and it didn't work the way you had hoped it would work, that is not the hobby for you, all right? Because when you break stuff, I mean, when you hot rod stuff, you are going to break it. And uh, when you break it, you can't cry. You just say, okay, fine, more parts for the junk man <laughs> to take and then pick up the pieces and go from there. All right, that's all you could do. There's nothing more you could do. So you have to recognize, and I'm preaching to the choir, you have to recognize that though a lot of a lot of people may like the idea, the theory of that, the theory of uh, you know making more power with a truck or a tractor or whatever car, chainsaw, whatever it may be. All right. But you have to, you know, be in, you have to be introspective, and you have to say to yourself, "Do I really have the tolerance for this if it breaks, or if I break this thing, how am I going to get? How am I going to get my crop in the ground, or how am I going to get my get to work Monday morning with it?" So it's very, very, very important that you do recognize that, and it's not for everyone. And you may love it, you may like it, you know, and uh, just like saying, "Well, you might like to go fishing, but you don't want to own a boat." So, so the thing is that it's not for everyone. So that is what the story is here. But always just remember, it's year-making model, and if you really want to throw people for a loop, be a hot rod shop, because they'll they'll go nuts on you. And so that is that. By the time this show drops, right, which. Uh, the uh, coming either the next day because it drops on Wednesday, either the next that Thursday or the following Thursday, God willing, will be my next on the road episode, and that is with, with Justin Forsey. So if you when that drops, and hopefully God willing, it is going to be uh, right the day after this because I am going to be recording with him, God willing, on November fourth, and that is going to be down at Bob Ida's shop in Southern New Jersey. Uh, Justin lives about an hour, hour and a half south of there, and I live about an hour and a half north of there. And then Bob Ida has gracious enough to uh, say that we could use his shop to record. So that is um, that is going to be something that is uh, I'm looking forward to doing, and hopefully you get a chance to check that out. But Sue Moore, my uh, art director, uh, texted me the other day. Well. Probably almost a week ago now, and uh, Sue is bl- Sue lives down in Georgia with her husband Vic, and uh, they actually, believe it or not, they actually uh, I may have told you this before the house that they live in uh, was belonged to the the wrestler slash car guy. He does car uh, does does a TV show now, uh, uh, Bill Goldberg. So if you look him up on the internet, he's a big Mopar collector and car collector. I don't really know. I do not know if he if he knows how to turn a wrench. All right, uh, but he was a very uh, very accomplished wrestler, and even and before that, from what I understand, that he was in the NFL. So uh, I think he got hurt in the NFL, and then he went to become a wrestler. He's a pretty big guy, and then then um, he but always had a passion for cars. I did reach out to him to want to do um, get him on the podcast, the On the Road podcast, and uh, never did hear back from him. You have to go through like a uh, PR person or what have you. So uh, sometimes when you reach out to these uh, quasi celebrities, that uh, they don't the PR. If, you know they never they never see the request. It's like in the corporate world, they never see the request because the PR person makes a decision for them, which is really not correct. All right, and I'm not saying I'm not taking any offense to it, but the thing is really not correct because if you're a good, if you're a true public relations person, you should run it past your client and say, "Look, this yo-yo from Cat Swamp Road wants to put you on a podcast." You know, and uh, and. Uh, and, you know, do you, you, you want me to pursue it? Do you want me to find out? And you and you, you don't make the decision for your client, all right? You let the client make the decision and you do the groundwork to get it set up. And I have to say that that was, um, honestly, I reached out to more than a year ago now, Matt Hagen, who was a farmer and NHRA funny car driver, 
and uh, you could look him up and his on the road him and i some somehow i get an email to him and then uh i i don't know whether he listens to the show or not i'm not going to be a bear false witness but he may listen to the show or listen to the show inconsistently <coughs> well i don't know maybe he listens every week i have no idea because i did reach out to him directly and i was able to somehow get a contact email through his farm and then a day or two later his public relations person reached out to me so in other words he gave it to the pr person to handle it uh and then they said yes that you know that you that that matt definitely wants to be on your show so that was that was handled properly but anyway uh but to get back to vic and sue but sue uh so they actually bought goldberg's house down in georgia so Bill Goldberg, the house that he, um, I don't know if he built it or whatever, and then he moved to California. I think he's in Texas now. But anyway, so, but the point that I'm getting at is that Sue's uh, daughter and her husband, so Sue's son-in-law, are both pilots. They're corporate pilots. And uh, so one of the, I, they don't fly for the same airplane owner there's some probably pretty big corporations that i don't know what the, i mean i don't the, the name of the corporations are not like uh you know the, the kitchen table talk that you would say oh it's pfizer or it's ford or something so but obviously <laughs> they're big enough and affluent enough to buy some planes to buy a plane so uh what will happen is that if they have a run down to near where sue is down in georgia they'll call up and say look i'm going to be flying into into whatever airport there i don't think they fly into atlanta but i don't know but anyway flying in and uh, if you want to because they live in missouri so if you want to come you know come back to missouri with us and see the grandkids and what have you and spend some time with us and then when next time we go <laughs> go that way we'll drop you back off and what's very nice is that the owners the companies that own the airplane have no problem with them bringing sue back back and forth as long as there's a seat in the plane so uh so that's very nice but the 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 bad thing about it is that she has to stay in missouri until she until one of them ends up having a flight back to georgia either the son or the son-in-law so that is that so she's out in georgia so i mean out in georgia out in missouri so if everything goes well and i get um i get uh, justin's podcast and sue is able to post it uh then it'll happen very shortly if not i have to wait till she gets a plane back from from missouri to georgia but she flew out there i asked what would you fly in so her son law flew her out there and it was a uh, in an embraer phenom 300 so that's that's a if you want to look that up if you have any interest embraer which was a, which is a brazilian aircraft company but these planes are made down in jacksonville i think jacksonville florida or no melbourne florida they're made in the united states but they're they're headquartered in brazil and so it's an embraer phenom 300 and then her daughter flies a gulf gulf stream gulf stream five so maybe she'll go she went down there in a phantom and maybe 300 maybe she'll come back in a gulf stream so both very very nice planes so anybody out there who's interested in planes or has a pilot's license will know what those two are and they're they're both jets they're corporate jets and uh they uh, i guess they're pretty pretty <laughs> pretty pretty nice 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 ride a nice ride to be able to go for free like that and jump on the corporate jet so that's a, 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 a good benefit to have right so what are we going to talk about today a half hour into the show again i know i always say that and <clears throat> what i'm going to make is now i kind of loosely spoke about this a couple maybe a year or two ago because the show now is what well, geez the podcast is five years old so god knows uh, when I spoke about it, but I think I spoke about it in a different context. And we're coming up on winter, right, in most parts of the country. Well, it's going to be the winter solstice, right, another month, uh, a little bit more than a month, I shouldn't say that. And uh, <clears throat> December, what, 20th or 21st. And even if you're down south in the warm climate or out in the desert, right, farming out in the desert, then uh, <clears throat> it's still winter. So it's a little bit cooler than you would have in the summertime, 
but it's a good it's a good time to do some stuff in a shop that you really don't have time to do the rest of the year <clears throat> and this is not excuse me and what i'm going to suggest that you do if you don't already have one is to invest in a cylinder leak down tester <clears throat> now or to 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 uh to use a cylinder leak down tester all you need is your shop compressor which everyone has all right so you make an investment <coughs> excuse me <coughs> make an investment in a cylinder leak down tester and then you will be all <coughs> all set up and they're not very very expensive now why do i suggest that you do this for the simple reason being that you could buy a leak down tester for a decent one for would probably be two hundred dollars you buy a a cheap one for a hundred dollars or less right but you know what we're about here at farm machinery digest and idle chatter podcast and the radio show is education and you will be surprised how doing a leak down test on engines will give you an a an introspective look i'm going to use that word again not on yourself but a better understanding of ring seal valve seal crankcase seal everything that you would not get without doing it so it's akin to i would say it's akin to doing a soil test there's plenty of people that farm and never do a soil test and have no idea what the heck it looks like or do a tissue test or do a sap test or a pre-side dress nitrogen test which is basically a different type of soil test but or you know they don't look at any data and by looking at a leak down test it's going to cement in your mind a lot of the dynamics of how an engine works that you would not and you would have it but it's just not going to be the same all right it's like you know talking to somebody in a zoom meeting and then meeting them for a cup of coffee all right the whole different thing you get to shake their hand you have hand you look in their eyes you say what a whole 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 different dynamic and but what is good about a solar leak down test other than being educational is that along with a compression test which most people are familiar with that it will give you a true indicator of the health of the engine as far as its ability to seal the compression the compression pressure and the combustion pressure more importantly because because a compression test is only going to tell you how the engine seals during its pumping action all right but you have to realize when that cylinder when that flame ignites and expands across the bore and then pushes the piston down because it's the expansion of the flame going out and expanding and pushing on the piston all right is that the cylinder pressure goes very high so a cylinder leak down test is going to give you an indicator of that so is one more important than the other well yes no no it's not all right so it was uh it's it's not more important than the other it's a different type of test because the compression test like as i said is the pumping action of the piston but the cylinder leak down test is it's it it, if it's able to hold that cylinder pressure if it's able to hold the combustion pressure not just the compression pressure which is not the which is not the compression ratio the pressure all right so um of the pressure it's created in the cylinder as the piston sweeps towards top dead center and a lot of people in previous in previous i'll say years for lack of a better term uh the compression test was something that most auto mechanics were aware of and may have actually done all right but the cylinder leak down test years back was more the domain of a race engine builder because what you'd want to do is you would want to make sure that your engine has good cylinder sealing and you would also monitor your cylinder sealing. you'd monitor the cylinder sealing more than you would the compression the cranking compression of the engine so you'd leak the motor down we that so we say well let's leak it down leak the motor down and when i used to build all my engines when they were on the stand yet 
I would leak them down because the leak down test uh, is going to show you how your ring seal is, even though, now, even though the rings have not made it to the solar wall yet, right? How the ring seal is, how your valve job is, and what have you. So you could find a lot of problems, and and it's read in a percentage. So why I'm telling you this, and I say it's a good winter winter project for I don't say it's a winter education. You know, the more you fiddle with stuff. And you know, I've been a I've always been a big proponent of this. If you want to learn how to use your your multimeter, then you know sit in the shop one day when you have well, I'm not gonna say when you have nothing to do because on a farm it's always you never have nothing to do. There's always something to do whether you choose to do it or not. But it's a snowy day, it's a cold day, you have the type of operation, you're not outside taking care of animals, you you, you can't and then you spend an hour or so with your multimeter get some resistors get a couple or get an old ignition coil get something you know and start to learn how to check things and feel very comfortable with it and the same thing why what i'm what i'm suggesting to do with a cylinder leak down tester is that once you start to look at this that you will see how easy it is to do once you gain access to the spark plugs all right because that's where you have to you have to go into the engine and then it'll start to bring some real some real clarity to what is happening in that combustion event but let me add, let me put a couple of caveats on this right now number 1 is that in theory there is no reason why you cannot do a leak down test on a diesel all right all right in practical application it is not it is it is it is and it's not practical for you to do it because you don't have any access to the cylinder you have to go in through the injector or through the nozzle all right the bore is very very big it's not easy to turn that engine over so what would happen is that can you i mean is a diesel engine are you able to do a leak down test on yes you are but it's not practical so most people with a diesel engine will determine their ring seal by doing a blow-by test which we're not going to discuss today all right but do a blow-by test and read in cfm with a blow-by meter how much blow-by is coming and then that's a backdoor approach of the leak down test but the only thing is whereas the blow-by test doesn't honestly tell you whether because the engine is running whether you have any leakage from the valves it's only going to tell you what the what the blow-by is past the piston rings and the cylinder wall whereas a leak down test will tell you what the blow by is past the ring package uh and what the valve seal is on both the intake and the exhaust <clears throat> so that basically is the first caveat i want to attach to this <clears throat> the second caveat excuse me i'm just going to clear my throat for a second <clears throat> the second caveat i need to leak down my throat the second caveat i want to attach to it is that as i said or mentioned a few minutes ago is that you have to gain access to the spark plugs all right and lots of times on modern engines or on some engines that is not not <laughs> that easy to do all right you get a lot of these modern engines today is that they have coil on plug they are buried under the cowl of the uh of the vehicles usually like on a pickup truck they're buried under the cowl if it's a car it's a transverse let's say v6 front wheel drive sometimes you got to disconnect the motor mount to take the top plenum off to to leak down that motor so that is so that makes a very simple test into a nightmare because you cannot get to the test site all right so that's the second caveat and the third caveat that I'm going to to uh, to um, make clear to you is that even though you could do a leak down test on a two-stroke engine, it's really not that it's it's valid, but it does they don't have valves in the sense poppet valves, but you also have to check all of the seals, and you usually have to close up the intake and exhaust. So what we're going to be emphasizing today is a leak down test on a four-stroke what we would call spark ignition gasoline engine all right so that is what we're going to be emphasizing and because of the complexity on some more modern engines is that your best learning tool would be 
to have if you have an older tractor older pickup truck older car you have an irrigation pump what have you and use it now you could do this on a four-cylinder four-cylinder on a four-stroke gasoline engine let's say like on a lawnmower or a lawn tractor what have you but the only thing is since you're introducing a hundred pounds of air pressure which we're going to discuss in a minute is that you have to be able to block that flywheel somehow and lock that and lock that up otherwise that engine is just going to spin so if you had like a lawnmower you don't want you don't want the air pressure turning it so you have to lock that up so then again that is a little bit more of a step than you would do with an automotive style or gasoline tractor engine but the dynamics of what is happening inside the cylinder is 100% the same. So in essence, <clears throat> for the most part, let me give you a quick overview of the leak down test. Uh, a basic leak down test will have you put the piston at top dead center for the cylinder that you're checking. Obviously, you're going to have the spark plug removed. You're going to put the piston at top dead center, and you're going to have you leak down a tester. Now, there are, there are different types of leak down testers, meaning are they one gauge or two gauge, all right? If And if it's a one gauge, regardless of what they are, you have to zero the gauges and follow, follow the, and the, the instructions for that particular tool, all right? Then what you're going to do is you have the piston on top that's in there. And historically, it usually is best just before the piston dwells on top that center, but it's not imperative for that to happen. And the spark plug is going to be out, and what you're going to do is you're going to take the leak down tester adapter, you're going to thread it, which is O-ring, you're going to thread that into the spark plug hole on the cylinder head, and then you're going to, co- you're going to connect 100 pounds of shop air to the leak down tester, and then you're going to connect the other end of the tester to the cylinder, right, to the, to the hose that you have threaded from the leak down tester into the bore. And on the gauge, whether it's a one gauge or two gauge, it's irrelevant. All right, like I said, follow the instructions for that. All right, I had both. I had a one gauge and two gauge. I had a snap on one gauge. I actually liked it better. But anyway, and you're going to read the percentage of leakage in the cylinder. So it's, so it's off from 100 pounds of pressure being being um, put into the engine. If you're doing a smaller engine, let's say like a lawnmower engine or something, and it can't hold the hunt even if you're blocking the flywheel. But the thing is that it's really not a good application. It's, it's a valid test. It's a valid test, but it's probably not the best engine for you to learn on because of all the ancillaries of you blocking stuff and trying to stop the either lawnmower blade from turning or the snowblower from turning over or what have you but it just is just as a valid test it just is a little bit more to make it happen be to, to hold the crankshaft in place so you're going to do this and that's your basic leak down test so you're going to look at so you're going to put 100 pounds of air in the piston's going to be atop that center and then you're going to read your gauge. Now, the thing is that depending upon who you talk to and what level of cylinder seal that you're trying to pursue. Now, when we build drag race engines, we wanted with a fresh engine, it hasn't been run yet, the rings haven't been haven't been seated, all right, uh, sealed up against the bore. We wanted no more than 2 to 5% leak down, preferably around 2%, all right? Uh, once you ran it and you sealed it up and uh, did a couple of dyno pulls on, sealed it up. If you were at five, you want to be at two, one and a half, two. If you were two, you want to be no more. You want to be a little bit below that, or you want to be right at that particular value. Now, on a production engine, that that you're probably going to see about. I don't know, seven to eight percent, ten percent leakage, maybe less. You know, that is one of the asides to the emission controls and fuel economy laws where everybody is, you know, I shouldn't say everybody, some people, ah, the government, right? Well, the thing is that that has forced the car industry, American and, and foreign, to do a much better job on their engines, all right? Because you need that, you can't have that cylinder leakage. So the thing is that, you have to do a much better job in it. So I don't know what, let's say, what a what a new 
2023 uh, engine would leak at, but I would have to probably say not more than five to seven percent brand, you know, when it's new or low mileage. All right. And then uh, if you took a good care of it and had good oil in it, all right, and everything was good with it, then I would say probably at 100,000 miles on a modern engine, you're not going to see much more leak down than that. If you haven't, but if you look at an industry standard, it's a wide range, and they will say to you probably less anything less than twenty-five or thirty percent is acceptable. Now, if you have, if you're, if you're your guinea pig, right? You that you're going to teach you leak down testing. If you have an old gasoline farm tractor, that's probably the best to learn on. All right, like I said, or an old uh, Ford truck or Dodge truck or a Chevy truck could be from the 1950s it makes a difference you want it to be easy for you to access the plugs you want it to be easy for you to get it at top dead center and to put the leak down test on because you are learning about this all right so now once you so now you have the leak down test run there you're putting your 100 pounds of air in there and you're reading 20 let's say make up a number 27 percent leakage all right which now you have to interpret those numbers. If you're building a drag motor, if it got the 27% leakage, it's going in the dumpster. <laughs> I mean, it's going getting apart. All right, it's hurt. You don't want 27% leakage. Now, you have an old John Deere tractor, you have an old grain truck, you have an old pickup truck. With 27% leakage, that thing can run till the good Lord comes home. All right, it's going to be a little bit down on power, may pollute the oil a little bit sooner with some blow by gases. Maybe you'd have to, you know, change it every 4,000 miles instead of 5,000 or 2,000 instead of 3,000. But other than that, that's going to run and serve you well. So you really have to have to be able to, to look at the test candidate, all right, and see what its use is for. But if you have around 30% leakage, all right, then like I said, I'm not going to say it's fine, but that's commercially acceptable for an older engine. But the most important thing for you to do is to listen where the leakage is coming from. Now, it may be coming from multiple areas, all right? There's three potential areas for you to hear the leakage. That would be coming out of the dipstick tube, all right, or you could hear it in the cylinder head coming up through the oil passages. And if you have leakage coming out of the dipstick tube, then we use that for example, then that is ring seal. That's compression ring and second ring against the cylinder wall because you're pressurizing the crankcase. And usually an engine like that that has 27% leakage through the past the ring package, if it's if it's run harder, I mean meaning put some work to it it will usually also give you that telltale sign by having oil leaks usually the rear main seal will leak or the front seal usually the rear main seal leak first so if you listen and you it may not be that loud coming through the dipstick tube take the dipstick out then you know that it's leaking past the rings the next thing you do is you look and you listen by the carburetor or throttle body whatever it is if it's fuel injector it makes a difference we're going to say we're going to say carburetor and you and you open the throttle plate a little bit take the choke off and if you hear leaking leakage from there then you have an intake valve you have intake valve slash valves that are not sealing properly and if you go over to the exhaust wherever that may be a farm tractor may be up through the cowl pickup truck may be to the back of the vehicle and you hear some leakage there then you have exhaust valve issues now if you have an older engine with a lot of hours a lot of miles on it you may very possibly get leakage in all three spots but you have to keep in mind that just like with any type of leak in life that the bigger hole is going to take the most leak it's go is going to it's going to is going to steal most of the air so you may have let's say 27 percent leakage and 20 and 20 percent may be coming from the rings all right because that's where the air is going right in that's the biggest leak and then a three and a three or four percent each from the intake valve and the exhaust valve but you know that you have a leaker all right and that's very very important for you to understand that 
right? And it's like I said, very simple. And you would want to do that on every cylinder. So if it's an eight-cylinder engine, you're going to go through the same procedure, take the spark plug out of that cylinder, put it up at top dead center, all right? And then you're going to do a leak down test, and you're going to write down your data, and you're going to write your notes of saying, because what you may find is that that you have a... Uh, on cylinder two, let's say, that only the exhaust valve is leaking. On cylinder three, that the the rings are leaking into the crankcase and the intake valve, right? So now what we used to do when we did an engine is that uh, I would get an idea of what needed to happen with it. And depending upon how easy it was to access the leak down to you get the spark plugs out. So if I went to, let's say, a Buick Grand National, a V6 Buick, all right, the thing is that, uh, <clears throat> and I was doing a leak down, leak down test on it, fa- fairly easy to, to work on to get to the plugs, except the one next to the heater box. But anyway, the thing is that, and I went to cylinder, I did two cylinders, you know, and I had, you know, 30% leakage, and, and this guy was, was racing this car. I would stop right there because at that particular point, it was moot, all right? All right, unless the customer wanted. If they look, we did two holes. You got 30% on both of them. This thing is tired. All right, so we got to go through this motor. So anyway, but usually in a car like that, the rear main would be, would be leaking like a sieve because of all the crankcase pressure going into the, into the oil pan. And they had a very small oil pan, that engine, so it pushed the oil right out. But if you want to get the health, you want to do all cylinders and write down your numbers and see where, and see where you're at. Now that is a traditional leak down test and and if and what you could do is that i suggest that you do is that you go and you leak down as many cylinders in that one particular you know learning uh learning example that you're using and other engines on the farm or friends engines or what have you but the caveat being is that you want it in the beginning to be easy to access easy to get the top dead center easy to get to the spark plugs you know and while you have the spark plugs out you might as well clean them regap them and put some anti-seize compound on them right don't put them in there dirty and not checking the gap on them and no anti-seize and then you go from there after two or three engines you'll be you'll be a master at leak down testing so that is a basic leak down test now the next part of the test which i do not suggest you doing but is a good learning tool right is that the standard test is with the piston at top dead center but the other procedures would be to to leak the piston while the valves are still closed though at about 50 percent in its stroke in the bore and then at bottom dead center because you have to remember that the valves are closed all right during that time but if you go too far then the in the bottom dead center the exhaust valve is going to start to open all right which is called blowdown but why would you want to do that all right there's no practical application for you to do that right now with what i'm suggesting other than for you to learn right because what it will do is it will show you a taper in the bore so if you have a lot of taper in the cylinder wall you may find that that let's say arguably if we're going to use our 27 percent leakage and and uh that you got nothing coming out of the valve so it's all ring package excuse me it's all ring package and you got nothing coming out of the valves so you may find that at top dead center you have 27 percent all right at uh, let's say halfway halfway in the stroke all right halfway with the piston halfway down more or less down in the bore you're not going to dial indicate you're going to kind of guess at it now you may find that the piston that you have 50 percent leakage or 40 percent leakage because the piston is rocking because the bore is more is more worn there or you may find that you have 10 percent leakage and it's worn up on top and then when you get down the bottom dead center you may find that it has a different number or the same number it's irrelevant i would say if you have an engine in your that you have access to it you're going to learn on how to do a leak down test could be a four cylinder could be a six cylinder whatever like i said i'm repeating what's easy for you to do everything on 
then once you master doing the leak down test with a top dead center, then on a couple of cylinders, do a midpoint test and do a bottom dead center test. Because we're doing this not to determine at this particular point whether that engine needs to be rebuilt, because you're probably not going to rebuild it anyway if it's in an old grain truck or do anything to it, but it's for education, for learning. All right. So once you make it's just like it would be just like when you teach somebody to drive a stick shift for the first time, manual transmission. You don't teach them how to double clutch, right? If they could go and they could get and they could operate and shift smoothly and feather the clutch out and not stall and not buck, what have you, all right. You don't teach them how to double clutch. After they've mastered that and they have some experience under their belt, then you teach them to double clutch. And if you have a truck with a two-speed rear, you teach them how to split shift, right? But you don't do it right from the beginning. You overwhelm the person. They won't know what the heck they're doing. And that's for everybody, right? Not just, I mean, the, none, none of us would be able to master that out of the box, all right, unless we happen to, as a, as a kid, ride for a long time with our father or grandfather and watch him shift and he explained to you and then you start to do it. But for the most part, when you're starting to do something yourself, no matter how many times you've seen, it's a little bit different. Just like if you would go with somebody in a car, then they could drive someplace and it's complicated to get there. And you could go there a hundred times. And if you're not driving, you really don't pay to pay attention to the level that you need to. You quasi pay attention. And then if you have to drive there yourself, you get lost. So he went there a hundred times. How do I, with Joe, how could you get lost? Because you because your brain doesn't recognize it the same way. So if you do that, once you get the leak down test down pat, if you do that, then you will go and do those do those did you do three on each bar, top dead center midpoint bottom dead center go to the next owner top dead center midpoint bottom dead center and you will have a very good very good uh what's the word i'm looking for it, you you will be i can't think of the word that i'm looking for not unison that you'll be in lockstep with how the piston responds going down to cylinder pressure as it sweeps up and down the board now why is this specifically important well, it's specifically important because of the advent today of so many turbocharged engines, smaller engines, turbocharged pickup trucks and cars and what have you. And then you will find that if you have a turbocharged engine, even a supercharged, but there's not that many supercharged engines in any any. Uh, I mean, other than like a the Ford Lightning pickup, not Lightning, what do they call it? The Raptor pickup truck. Uh, the thing is that so uh, they're all they're turbo. But you could buy a, your SUV with a turbocharged four cylinder, or three cylinder. Is that if you're starting to get a lot of turbo lag, where it, it, it ends up building boost, but takes longer to build boost. And this is the same thing as with a diesel, all right? But like I say, it's, it's for all intents and purposes, it's not practical to do a leak down test on it, all right? You have to do a blow-by test, as I said before. The thing is that you will see that the turbocharger will be very lazy as far as building boost is concerned because it has to move enough think of it this way you have a you have an air tank all right you have an air tank and you're going to put when you have a hundred you have a, a whatever 100 pounds of air in the air tank and you're going to fill up a tire well what happens is that when the differential is is very large right you have 100 pounds and the tire is 20 pounds and the air goes into the tire very quickly as it starts to normalize as it starts to equalize between the, what the air that's in the tire and the air, the, the pressure that is in the tank that you're filling the tire with, right, then the air slows down at one particular point. If, it, if it's 45 pounds in the tire and 45 pounds in the tank, and then it becomes static, nothing moves, right? It's it, it, Because it's it reached equilibrium was the word that I'm looking for. So you have to recognize that with a turbocharger, gasoline or diesel, is it is a fan, all right? So that fan has to move enough air, and that fan will have to overcome that turbo that that turbocharger fan, meaning the compressor wheel, will have to feed enough air into that engine for it to start to build cylinder pressure from the airflow, not from the piston moving, build pressure. All right, so it has to fit, it has to feed more air than is leaking out 
because if it'd be like a like a tire, right? If you have a hole in the tire, you put it in the air and it's all leaking out. So the same thing will happen. And since the turbocharger spins from the exhaust gas, the velocity as the let's say if the turbocharger is spooling up, right, and it's spinning ninety thousand RPM, and it's not moving enough air that the that the compressor wheel cannot move enough air to overcome the leakage that is there or just minimally overcome it, and then the turbocharger has to get up to 150, 180, 200,000 RPM, and now it could build air. You feel that in the vehicle or the farm tractor, which is like I say, but that's diesel, which is moot, but the thing is that you feel that, all right, as lag, because once it comes up on the pipe and the thing is spinning 200,000 RPM, it's able to overcome it, even though it's not getting the full load of the turbocharger meaning the load the amount of airflow because some is leaking out so the thing basically is is that you know keep in mind with your diesels right so if you have a whatever a peterbilt and you got a cummins in it whatever you got a cat in it, whatever you have in it right and uh and you say and you know and it's it's doesn't want to build boost or it's doggy you know as it starts to pull a hill or you put a load on it or you've got a farm tractor and you put a load on it you do you you're getting into some harder ground and you're either cultivating or chisel plowing or pulling a planter right you get these big center fill planters and you're getting in some harder you know some heavier ground and the thing is that and you say man this thing used to just build boosts and go right up here right up this 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 embankment when i'm back this this little hill in the field and now it, it does it but it, it kind of you know it kind of bogs then goes <coughs> excuse me that's what i was saying with my chainsaw i want to give it a test i want to see if it's going to bog in a big tr- in, a, in a piece in a log and then do my modifications and see if it still bogs on the same log all right so the thing is that the on a diesel on your farm track your combine your spray your semi that's going to be the, the canary in the coal mine don't blame the turbocharger right away it could be all right it could be a leak in the system it could be a pinhole in your intercooler what have you but the thing is that that's going to be the canary in a coal mine for you to trigger to do a blow by test all right and that's why it is nice and this is nice winter stuff because even on your diesels right if you do a blow by test and buy a blow by meter and read in cfm and you'll keep records of this all right uh the thing is, if you say, well, okay, I got X amount of hours on the combine or on my tractor or so many miles on the semi, and, you know, I got this much blow-by, all right? You say, and it runs well. I got, okay, I got whatever CFM blow-by, whatever number you want to put at it, and then it runs well, all right, fine. So now, now you start to have, well, yeah, it still runs fine, idle, smooth and everything, but it doesn't seem to, you know, it seems to be bogging a little bit, all right? I mean, bogging you know it's not where it's hesitating it's not taking the load or it's 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 struggling more as the load comes on and kind of pulls itself out all right the thing is that and you do your blow by testing and say whoa 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 now i got x amount of blow by and that's very well because a lot of people think it's the turbocharger right away that the turbocharger is going bad or failing or what have you and i'm not saying that it isn't i'm not saying the system doesn't have a leak but on the diesel your blow by test in lots of ways would be akin to your leak down test all right so the only thing is that you're not going to be able to know whether it's the valves or the rings or a combination of both whereas the leak down test you would so that's you know that's that's something that you could do during the winter buy a leak down tester you already have the shop compressor it comes with the fittings i would buy a decent one i wouldn't buy a harbor freight one but you could you could buy a decent one for a hundred dollars or so or less keep it in you know do 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 a uh, do a couple of engines get familiar with how to use the tool because that's always the most important thing familiarity how to use a tool and then i'm not saying that you spend the rest of your life leak down testing every engine you have on the farm as you would with a race shop like i had all right but the thing is that if you know what the leak down test is you say okay got this old tractor i use it to run the auger all right then it's simple to do gasoline old john deere right and you say okay this is what the leak down what it is and you have an idea but trust me trust me is that if you're passionate about your machinery and the thing is in agriculture from my perspective this is the world according to me all right the thing is that 
you know, you really need to be passionate about everything. You need to be passionate about your crops. You need to be passionate about your animals, passionate about your machinery. But if you have a larger operation, not a Mickey Mouse one like mine, is that you have to, you know, you're always going to, you know, gravitate a little bit more to something than the other. But you will become so intimate. That's the word that I was looking for before you you will become so intimate with the dynamics of cylinder sealing without ever taking your engine apart other than pulling the spark plug out by understanding this leakage and then when you do have a problem all right or you have something that's going on then you could say well you could look back in your records well at you know at the two hundred thousand, whatever two hundred thousand miles my pickup truck had seven percent leakage and now it's starting to act a little bit funny or do something funky right and it's down and it's up to up to 23 percent leakage right but then you listen right doesn't mean the motor is shot right if it's all coming out of the intake or the exhaust then it's a valve job that's what it needs all right it's it so the thing is that it's good to know and you know getting back to what i was saying in the beginning of the show performing your due diligence all right all right this is a level of due diligence but it's an educational level of due diligence because i'm not saying because you have 27 percent leakage you pull the motor apart and what have you you're not drag racing it all right but it's good to know you become familiar with it and you will be surprised just like looking at a soil test or looking at anything that you have that intimacy you'll have that that level of make make it and make it much more comfortable when you look at it and that level of comfort believe it or not will translate into other aspects of understanding an engine and becoming dynamic with it becoming intimate with it because the greater the level of intimacy that you have with it and understand that it's not this magic it's not this oh my god i don't know what it is magic something happening is that you will be able to make smart business decisions you will be able to 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 know what is you know what is something for you to worry about or not worry about and it is very very simple and the caveat like i said i'm going to attach again is that most modern engines are not that easy most of them are not that easy to leak but if let's say you're doing spark plugs right all right you can have the plugs out i don't care what the engine is or you can have the plugs out you got the leak down tester you're already familiar with how to use it because you did it on the easy engine so you have your wife's suv you got the plugs out one plug at a time put it up the top dead center more or less so the pistons up you can put your finger in there and feel the air coming up leak it all right take you three minutes more than doing the plugs all right on uh, three minutes on each cylinder because you got the leak down test right there you thread it in put it the shop here boom bingo other than bringing up the top dead center so you have the ability to glean this data when you're doing a spark plug job all right on a gasoline engine and it's 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 like trust me it'll it'll make it it'll make it make you very very intimate with it and you'll be surprised what you'll find or you may say well geez i thought this engine was really tight it's coming it's got a it's got a exhaust valve that's leaking right and uh it's got it needs a valve job it doesn't need pistons in it so thing is that so uh please consider doing that it's a great thing to do during the winter line up an engine that's easy to work on bring it in the shop when the time comes all right buy your leak down tester ahead of time play with it all right and you'll be from there and it's not it's not a tool you're going to use every day but it's a tool that will give you a wonderful wonderful education so i want to thank you so much for listening and i want you to know what the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved beloved america have a blessed day and god willing i'll catch you next week bye bye